I was talking with Lincoln the other day, and um, he even just, some of the stuff we've been feeling, he put words to, the whole lane analogy I used the other day, like he, he, he was really putting words to that for me. Um, but he was sharing about, so his dad founded Trinity Church back in the 70s, right? Um, and really, honestly, like, I would even argue, even though I wasn't around, uh, I really feel like kind of a move of the Lord just really swept through, through what his family, the Lord had put on his heart to start Trinity and just the, all the things the Lord was doing. And as he was sharing, honestly, I felt a lot of similarities to just some of the stuff the Lord's been doing in here, um, to what they saw uh, and what the Lord did. And so I just think, want to honor him, like we've got uh, a wealth of even just spiritual lineage, wisdom, who's going to be sharing with us today, and it's not about him, it's about the Lord, but uh, I just feel like he's, I didn't even tell him what to, what to preach on, and he said, hey, I feel like I'm supposed to talk on uh, facilitating, how, how do you steward a move of the Lord? And I'm like, oh, please, <laughs> come, come bring it. So um, he'll give more probably backstory to who he is and, and all that, but I just, can we honor him today? I just hold him and his family in such high, high regard. Can we give him a round of applause, honor the Lord through him? Uh, Lincoln Murdoch, appreciate you. Thanks, well, thank you, Nick. Awesome to be with you guys today. Uh, it's been fun to track a little bit through uh, conversations, but also through um, what, podcasts, Spotify, whatever, whatever it was, to listen to some of the messages given here to kind of get a heart for where you guys are and, and the direction you're heading and, and what you're wanting God to do in this place. And as I listened, there was a, just as uh, Nick said, there's kind of this um, thing that was um, resounding kind of in my heart and mind, like, wow, that, yeah, yes. Like, yes and amen to what you guys are um, going after here. So I loved that. Uh, CJ, it was great to hear some of your messages too. I love the heart here for, um, for purity, for conviction, for repentance, for uh, a life completely consecrated and dedicated to God. That is so foundational. You know, God can do a lot of amazing things in the spirit. And we want the spirit to move and do this and that. But, but if the foundation isn't there, then, then I've just seen things go sideways really badly at times. So thank you guys for your leadership and, and what you're doing here. So um, I am officially old. And uh, if you're in the second half of your 60s, you're old. Not from my perspective. You've got to be like 118 to be old from my perspective. But um, because of that, I'm, uh, I've been through about four and a half decades of ministry. And because I'm old, I've seen a lot of stuff. I think I've seen just about everything under the sun church-wise and movement-wise. And so what I wanted to do was just bring a few thoughts and a few ideas, a few things to think about as you continue uh, nurturing a move of God here and what God wants to do in this place. Um, some of these may feel like a little bit of guidelines, and I'm not, I'm, I, don't, I have no authority here. I'm just, I'll just throw out some ideas. You guys can think it through, pray it through, and see how it lands um, with you. But Nick mentioned Asbury, so my wife Jennifer is in the back. Hi, dear. Uh, and we both went to Asbury College. I went to Asbury Seminary. And so we got there shortly after uh, the first really powerful revival that took place there in like 70, 71. Um, and then, of course, was it last year or the year before? 
a, a, last year a real move of God there uh, again, which we tracked very closely since it's our alma mater and, and we still know people on staff, they're teachers and stuff, so um, very, very sweet. Uh, and so also just um, different things that happened over the years at camps, at retreats, at Trinity, at, at times when God's spirit would move in an unusual way and it, it was really profound. And so I watched the older men that I was serving under, I watched them try to nurture and guide this move of God at times. How did they do that? What did, you know, there's such a, there's such a, there's such a tender balance that you want to hit in it all. You don't want to do anything to close it down, but you don't want this thing to go sideways and they can go sideways real quickly. So I, by that just kind of introduction, let me, let me just jump in. Here are a few thoughts, okay? <laughs> All right. So, um, number one, seek the gift giver, not the gift. Seek the gift giver and not the gift. There we go. All right. Good. It's magic. Um, seek the one who manifests himself at times, not the manifestations. And my wife and I have both seen different movements and, and mini revivals or whatever you want to call it where they became so focused on the gift and the manifestation, it's like they didn't even, what about the one giving it? Yeah. And so we, it's just a, a point of, of balance. Um, yes, desire spiritual gifts. Desire spiritual gifts so that the body is edified, but focus on the one who gives the gift, not the gift itself. Very important. Um, think about this. Immaturity focuses on the gift. Maturity focuses on the gift giver. Let me give you an example. Christmas morning, right? The little kids are there and they have the gifts and mom and dad, you know, they spent all this money and stayed up half the night trying to put the toy together that, you know, they want to see. And, and the kid comes in and just sees it and he's just absolutely infatuated with the gift. Forgot all about mom and dad who spent the money on it and put it together Immaturity focuses on the gift. Take a marriage of 30 years. It's Valentine's Day coming up. The husband gives this amazing gift to his wife, and she receives it, and she loves it. But what does is, what is the attention immediately go back to? The husband. Thank you. Oh, you are amazing. I can't believe you. You know, And the focus is right there. So maturity focuses on the giver. Immaturity focuses on the gift. All right. Um, Jeremiah 29, 13, you will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. No mention of manifestation or gifts. We're seeking him. Matthew 6, 33, seek first God and his kingdom, right? And then all the rest will be added to you. So number one, seek the gift giver, not the gift. Number two, hold tightly to God's word. Stay biblical. Now you might go, well, duh. <laughs> Doesn't that go without saying? <laughs> no. Sad to say, in this day and age, the answer is no. That does not go without saying. Beware of that which is extra-biblical, non-biblical, unbiblical, or even worse, heretical or blasphemous. Now, that sounds like, well, those are really heavy-duty words. Man, I don't think that's happening. That stuff's like really strong. It is, it is. And um, so hold tightly to God's word. I discovered a verse that I, you know, I've been reading the Bible for a lot of decades and I just, this, you know, sometimes it'll pop off. So this verse popped up in my mind. 
Um, 2 John, verse 9. I want to I read that to you. There were two words in there that so jumped out to me that I hadn't uh, really noticed before, but it really spelled out to me what I see in, um, in some movements, in some mm, ministries. So what does it say? The, uh, 2 John, there's only one chapter. And in the first few verses, truth is mentioned one, two, three, four, five times in the first few verses, truth, truth, truth. And then in verse 9, it says this, anyone who goes too far, anybody who goes too far and does not abide in, doesn't stay in the teachings of Christ, does not have God. And so what I've, what I've witnessed, and I, my wife will tell you, I put in a, a lot of hours, tons of hours, dozens and dozens, over 100 hours of research into some of this stuff that I'm observing because, just to be honest with you, I, I'm concerned about all of the warnings that Jesus gave, all of the warnings that Paul gave. Paul told Timothy over and over and over, hold to sound doctrine. Now, doctrine might sound like some stuffy, old, dusty thing. <laughs> it is not. It is absolutely crucial that we hold to sound doctrine. Jesus in Matthew 24 warned numerous times the word many Many is used lots of times in that chapter. Many false teachers will come. Many will be deceived. He repeats that several times in Matthew 24. And then a little later on in that chapter, he says, basically what he's saying is that the leading edge, that the tip of the spear of deception is going to be signs and wonders and miracles. So what that does for me, it just brings a big yellow flag. I'm not, I don't want to be critical. I'm not trying to be, uh, what are the, I don't know what the word is. I, I want to be wise, and I want to be discerning, and I want to be biblical. All right? Anything, anybody have a problem with those three words? Stand up. Okay, good. <laughs> good. I want to be wise, I want to be discerning, and I want to be biblical. And I want to rejoice in what God's doing at the same time. I'm not some old fogey that's just going to, you know, look down on everything. No, no, no. Praise God. We need, we need and we're seeing a move of God especially among the younger generation. I, I, I'm thrilled with that. But at the same time, do you realize that in the New Testament, every single book of the New Testament except Philemon has some warning about false teaching. I didn't realize that, but it's true. So, so this is something that's very important. So, all right, too far. So people will, will take a truth and they will push it too far. And it becomes unbiblical. It starts biblical, but they go too far with it. And they actually add to, right? Revelation 22, 18. If anyone adds to the words of the prophecy of this book, it's bad. Don't do it. Don't add to it. Um, God will take away his part from the tree of life. My dad used to say it this way. Any biblical truth pushed beyond God's intentions for it becomes heresy. Let me say it again. Any biblical truth that's pushed beyond God's intentions for that truth can, be, can become heresy. And so just be careful of things that are getting pushed too far. So uh, I'm just in tune to this. Pro a lot of it has to just do with my family. I mean, we go on family vacations and drive, you know, three eight-hour days in the car. And they would have the old cassette player in the front seat, my mom and dad between them, listening to teaching cassette tapes. 
and discussing theology for eight hours. When you're seven, that is like child abuse. You could call the, call the authorities on that one. And, um, but I was raised in this house of, of careful theology. Openness, word and spirit, yes. But, but what is really orthodox? And then Asbury and sitting under some great teachers all these years. Um, and yet I'm stunned with some of what's being taught and said today that I just scratch my head and say, what Bible are you reading? So well, what do you mean? What can, well, yeah, here's, here's just a few. I could give you thousands, but God is in control, but he's not in charge. We are. Now, hopefully you had a little flag go up in your mind like, what? Well, wait a minute. Huh? Jesus came to earth with authority, but no power. What? Okay. Now, some of these, there's a, there's new, they're, they're nuanced, and you have to think about it for a minute to go, hey, wait a minute. I don't, I don't know about that, right? Um, so be careful of anything. Here's another thing I say. Be careful of anything that exalts man a little too far and lowers God down towards us. I'm seeing this quite a bit as I peruse the land. What happens is we take our identification in Christ, who we are in Christ, right? And the list is long. It's so wonderful. I preached last week at a place. I didn't bring it this week, but I just, I read this list of about 28 things that are true about us in Christ. And at the end, there was this big hand clap because we're all just like, God, you're amazing. This is our new identity. You've changed us completely. Old things are dead. Everything's new. And we just read this list of what's true about us in Christ. So good. Here's where you can go a little bit sideways. So let's see. Uh, CJ, does, does Jesus live in you? That's a question, yeah, okay. <laughs> I can Oh, yeah, I wasn't trying to suggest he wasn't. I'm just, okay, and um, he lives in me too, right? If you're in union with him, I'm in union with him. He's in me, he's in you. So here's what we could do. Let's just, like, kind of start worshiping each other just a little bit because we're, you know, Jesus in you and you're one with him. You're like, what? Worship CJ, we're not going to. But, but, and that was a little bit of an extreme example, but you can take baby steps towards exalting man beyond what God, I am a, I am a sinner saved by grace. Paul said, I am the least of them all, right? And we got to remember that even though I am a new man in Christ, I am still a human in Christ. So anything that you see that would lower God or exalt man, be very careful of. Beyond biblical guidelines. One guy said, um, because I have the mind of Christ, I can know everything that God knows about everything. I don't think that's what that means. And if it's true, now there are two beings in the universe that are omniscient, all-knowing, God and you. Wow, how about that? So that's what I mean. You exalt and you lower and you get into trouble. Okay, so stay biblical. Stay biblical. Number three, manage the boundaries of your family. Manage the boundaries of your church family. Yes, church family, church fellowships. All those who are all in to a particular fellowship, that fellowship becomes a family. And in every family, there should be some parents. The kids don't run the show all the time. Now, I know, I don't know these guys. I know Nick pretty well. I just met CJ, but I've listened to his messages, and nobody's on an authority kick around here, as far as I can tell. Although, if, and if you felt that, you wouldn't be here, 
All right. So these guys want to guide and give leadership as well as others here who have that role. Um, understand they're not trying to be parents lording authority over anybody, but somebody has to set some guidelines, right? And every family has loving boundaries. My folks were loving, supportive, godly, wonderful, came to all my games, came to every that supported me so much, great encouragers, and our family had some boundaries, some yeses and some noes. And here's when you're going to be home, and here's when this and that. And the boundaries were set. We didn't like them all the time, but we felt safe within them. And so every church family, every fellowship needs to have boundaries. What do I mean? Well, doctrinal boundaries. And different churches have different, hopefully if they're evangelical, they have, they have the, core, the core stuff down. Then there's the next circle out, there may be some differences, and, and that's okay. We can respect each other's differences. Um, but each church has to decide what their doctrinal boundaries are, what their worship style boundaries are. Now, you got to understand, what, I'm going back to the 70s, and it was when Trinity Church started, we had the, uh, if I'm looking out, we had the organ right here. No, the organ was over there, and the piano was there. Uh, some might remember that, right? The piano. Then, then we got really creative, and we decided to let other people play instruments behind the organ. So behind the organ, this little orchestra developed. You know, Kathy playing her clarinet. You know, Tommy tooting his tuba. Yeah, tuba worship. Can you imagine? And, but, but we developed this little orchestra, and it added, it added some, some gusto to the, to the music and the worship, right? And then we started going to some different conferences, and there was this new concept that was coming out. It was so amazing. This brand new concept. Nobody had ever heard of it before called a worship team. Where, where the organ's not used, you have some guitars, and you're actually on the stage. The musicians are on the stage. Can you imagine how radical this is? So I kind of leading the charge on that, and my dad was like, I don't know about this. Well, okay, we'll try this. And pretty soon, Tommy's tuba had been collecting dust, and we had like a worship team. Uh, so then, it, then it's like, okay, let's keep going with this. So then... The flag people showed up. You know the flag people? They're, they're, the, they're the flag wavers, and I, no problem. I have no problem with somebody waving a flag. That's fine. Okay? So they wanted to come down front and wave flags and stuff. My dad was like, ah, I don't know. I got to think about this. And then somebody got, some lady got whacked in the head with one of the flags, and she's complaining. And my dad's like, what do we, where are the boundaries? What are, what are our worship style boundaries? And my dad was so open to the Holy Spirit. He wanted God to move. He wanted people to express, but then there's these family rules, right? And so we didn't want people getting knocked out with flags and falling over, have to pray for them, bring them back to life or something. And so there was some space in the back between the last row and the wall. And he goes, look, if you guys want to dance and wave flags, you just, just, you're, you're fine back there. We just don't want anybody to get knocked out up here. So well, that's just a little example of in that time and in that church, just some loving boundaries were set. And here's what my dad said. He said, we are not enough for some, and we are too much for others. So we're not, some people come, and they're like, they're just dancing and waving flags. No, we need to swing from chandeliers or something. We need to, we need to get, really get, and like, no, we're not doing that. Well, we want to flags down front. No, we're not doing that. Well, then I'm going someplace where there's real freedom because there's no freedom here. 
We weren't enough. Other people would come in. We had a lot of Catholics and Lutherans coming, and they thought we had lost our minds. You know, they're used to mass, and, and they were like, what is a mass? But they felt the Spirit. They felt the Lord. They felt love. They felt something. They felt life is what they felt. They felt life, and that's why that church went from 40 people to 3,000 people over about a 20-year span. So I'm going too long on that one. Manage your boundaries, okay? Uh, be aware of them. You need them. Each church might look a little bit different, but they are necessary, especially when a, when a move of God hits. It's going to look a little different church to church. Okay, number four. Here's another one. Throwing this one in for free. <laughs> uh, be careful with thus saith the Lord. Okay? I believe in all the gifts. I believe they're all for today. I believe God wants them in the church. I believe there are the tools of the Spirit, not the toys of the Spirit. And what I, I'm just sharing stuff that I've seen over the years, okay? Just be careful with thus saith the Lord. Because if you say, if you're going to prophesy or you're going to pray, and you say, thus saith the Lord, <laughs> you better be right. If you're claiming to speak first person as God, you need to be, try to be right on that, right? So let me just offer maybe just a word of, of just for something to think about. Um, what about, what about if somebody said, I believe the Lord may be saying, and then you share the word. One of the most gifted, prophet, prophetically gifted leaders that I know, and he's a dear friend, and I, I trust his gift and when he uses it. But he always puts it, he puts it something like this. I, belore, I believe the Lord has given me something for you, and I'm going to share it with you, but I want you to test it, and you hold it before the Lord. There's so much wisdom in that. So much wisdom in that. Okay? So that's just, yeah, that's just there. Um, some movements, I think, take prophecy and make everything prophetic. Prophecy is a specific gift with a specific role in the church, which is wonderful. And do I have a little margin in my, my own thinking for a little? Yeah, but like um, when you have prophetic words, prophetic songs, prophetic painting, prophetic dancing, prophetic flags, prophetic, when everything's prophetic, nothing's prophetic. You've watered it down so much and made everything prophetic that it loses, it loses its uniqueness as a gift of the Spirit. So... Um, and then some people lower, they take prophecy and they lower it down to simple human imagination. What does 2 Peter 1, 20, 21? No prophecy is a matter of one's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever made by act of human will, and I'm going to throw in or imagination, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. All right? So we don't, want to prophesy out of our own imagination or meant our human understanding we want God to be speaking and, and putting something in our heart that we can share with wisdom with somebody else and I'm gonna throw a couple more in just for free <laughs> and you don't have to agree with these that are not um, understand that um, any truth how should I say this um, gifts the gifts of the Spirit are given, not learned. If, if I'm going to give you a gift, you simply receive the gift. I don't learn you a gift. Right? That doesn't make any sense. When, when you're, if you're going to use the word gift, which is what the word is, gifts are given, 
not learn. Now, you can learn about gifts. I, I love classes about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. People can go and learn each one, its role in the body of Christ. That's awesome. But, but understand, um, they're given, not learned. Nobody says, I want to teach you a gift. Um, so, God is the one that gives it. 1 Corinthians 12, 7 to 11 is all about the varieties of gifts. And in verse 11, but one and the same spirit works all these things, all these gifts and manifestations, distributing to each one individually just as he wills. Okay? So he's the one that gives the gift. We receive the gift. We begin to use the gift. And yes, we mature in it. We develop in it. But, but you can't teach somebody. I, years, I'll share this. Years ago, I, there was a running back for Nebraska. His name was Joe Orduna. You got to be a Husker fan that goes, yeah, you remember Joe Orduna. I love it. Well, he was a spirit-filled, strong Christian, and there were some meetings. These guys came to town having special meetings, and Joe was going to give his testimony. So I, went, I was 14. I didn't love the Lord. I didn't know the Lord. I was not born again. I was a, just a preacher's kid that put on a good show for everybody. So I go to this meeting, and, and you know, the, he speaks, and stuff starts happening, and people are doing stuff, and some guy sat me down, and he goes, have you ever spoken tongues? I was like, No. He goes, okay, it's not hard. Just, just do this. I'm going to start, and then you just, you just copy me. Let the words just start coming out. And then you can just, and I'm like, okay, there's a little pressure here. This is awkward, right? And so I'm sitting there, and I'm like, huh? So what, I don't want to embarrass the guy. I'm going to go, oh, by the way, I'm not even a Christian. What are you talking about? I didn't say that. I probably should have. But because it was awkward and I didn't want to embarrass him, I just started saying what he was saying, and it was just like, very weird and he was trying to teach me the gift and the holy spirit hadn't even converted my heart yet let alone given me the gift and it was awkward and i went out of there thinking that was a weird meeting but i liked listening to joe so so that's my own just one story from my own um deal when somebody's trying to teach me i also don't i also believe that no one person has all the gifts and there's no one gift that everybody has again distributing to each one individually as he wills. And at the end of 1 Corinthians 12, it says very clearly, are all apostles, do all work miracles, do all speak in tongues, do all prophesy. And in the Greek, it demands a no answer. It's, it's a no. And again, God, I see, I look at it like this. So God looks at the body of Christ. Here we are. And he says, okay, this is like a chessboard. And here's the good guys, the good pieces. And over here is the devil and his guys. I don't play chess. I don't know what you call the pieces, but we'll call them guys. I kind of like that. Little guys. So here we are. We're, we're the chess pieces on God's chessboard, right? And so he's got a strategy. He knows, he knows how this chess match is going to go so that ultimately the checkmate comes. And so he's going to gift you this way. He's going to gift you that way. He's going to use you over here, and he's going to use you over there. And he's going to move you out of Omaha, Omaha, and he's going to move you to Wichita. And God is constantly moving the people around, his children, his gifts, all around strategically, so that down the road, maybe not too far, he's going to take that last person, put them in the last square, and go, checkmate. It's going to be over, right? So he knows how to distribute his gifts. He knows how to move. We've, we've lived on 
in Trinidad for a month. We lived in Pakistan for two months. We lived in Phoenix for nine years. We came back to Omaha. We're like, just, we're like pieces on the chessboard. Move us around strategically. Where do you want us? Uh, so, uh, yeah, just throw that in so for whatever. And why did Paul even write 1 Corinthians 12 or 1 Corinthians 14? Because there was abuse of the gifts. And they didn't understand. And so to the Corinthians, the church in Corinth, he, he wrote those two chapters with the love chapter right in the middle, which is pretty strategic, on giving guidelines on how to exercise and use the gifts that the Lord gives. Number four, live in the truth, not your senses. Now we're finally to my message. <laughs> so. um, there are times when our five senses will match exactly with the truth. God's doing something. I'm feeling it. I'm experiencing it. I'm sensing it in my heart. All my five senses are engaged, and I know God's moving because I can feel it. I can see it. it, it it's there. It's, it's happening, right? But that's not all the time. Um, with married couples, there are times you really feel married. You, you, you feel that closeness. You feel the love being given and, and accepted. And, and there's just that wonderful feeling, right? You know you're married. What about all the rest of the time? Okay, I'll be honest. I'll be honest. I'm standing right here, right now. It's what, February 11th? Yeah, at whatever, 10, 11 o'clock. I don't know. I'm standing here. I love you, Jen. Do I feel married right now? No, I kind of don't feel anything. I'm just like up here talking, right? Well, I guess then I'm not feeling it, so I must not, we must not be married right now because I'm not sensing it. You can see, you can see how, this, how this goes. Um, I'm not, marriage isn't being manifested in me right now. I'm not experiencing the atmosphere of marriage. The realm of marriage is not moving inside of me right now. So I guess I'm not married. <laughs> okay, so you, you see what I'm driving at. You see what I'm driving at. Live in the truth, not your senses. When our senses connect with the truth, that's awesome. That's great. But what about the other 167 hours in a week? Right? And so what I see in the, in, as I'm just perusing and just making some comments about all this, I see people seeking a feeling, wanting to sense something, and they go after that. And if that's not happening, they feel like their walk with God is down here. But when they're feeling it, oh, man, yeah, God's. But, but what about all the rest of the time? All the rest of the time is I'm living in the truth. This ring right here, my commitment, my will, and what happened 46 years ago, <laughs> over four decades, would have been safe, um, is the truth I'm living in right now. I, I don't feel anything right now, but I'm, I know what's true. And that's where we need to get to with the Lord. Um, we all love it when God manifests his presence. I've been in such powerful meetings where just the presence of God is thick. It's incredible. He's moving. Stuff's happening. That is that's great. I love it. I love it. But what are we to think when we feel nothing? When we don't sense, feel, experience his presence, where is he? 
Well, sometimes I hear statements like, oh, that meeting was so powerful. I mean, God really showed up. So my question is, where was he before he showed up? Was he like in Des Moines, showing up there? And what happened when he left? So I, I, I know what we're saying, like football uh, team didn't even show up. Well, I, of course they did, they were on the field. We get that, right? But sometimes we'll take that kind of terminology and bring it into our faith walk and it kind of it moves us just off of the truth a little bit. So, well, I feel discouraged, I feel depressed, I feel stressed. Um, I, I gotta get into his presence. My encouragement would be, you're in it. You're in it. Start right there. Save a whole step. Start right there and thank him. Remember, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'm in you. You're in me. There's this constant presence in my life. He's in me. I'm in him. That's true. 24-7, 365 until he comes back or I get, or I get promoted. That's the truth I want to live in because my emotions and my senses, they're not always consistent. Sometimes they're not even accurate in what conclusions they come to. And so live in the truth. Truth is greater than experience or feelings. I'm not saying that experience or feelings aren't wonderful. I'm just saying that truth is greater because truth doesn't change. Uh, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free, not you will have a feeling and your feeling will set you free. All right. And I am the way, the truth and the life. Okay, again, it's wonderful when God manifests his presence individually or corporately. It's absolutely wonderful. But what about Tuesday afternoon at work? What about at 3 a.m. when the baby's screaming? <laughs> and all you're feeling is sleepy. You're not feeling any manifestation or anything there. That's where we live in the truth. We don't have to ask for his presence because we can live, we, we live in his presence if we're born again. First, uh, David in Psalm 139. I'm going fast. I know I'm trying to cover stuff. Well, I didn't even ask you when this is over. Well, wait a minute. Yes, I remember you told me just before kickoff. <laughs> okay. There's not even a clock here. I love this church. <laughs> um, no, I'll be, I'll be sensitive. So um, in Psalm 139, David starts out by saying, you know, you formed me, you shaped me in my mother's womb. And then he goes on to say, where can I go to get out of your presence? If I go here, you're there. If I go down to Sheol, you're there. If I go east, if I go west, you're there. And that's Old Testament. That's Old Testament. That's not even, that's not even the New Covenant, which makes that even way more powerful. But David had this revelation, this understanding that there's absolutely nowhere he could go to get out of God's presence. So a lot of Christians ask for what God's already given them. They're seeking something they already have. And I'm just saying, dwell in the truth. Dwell in uh, that reality. And then whether you feel anything or not, man, thank you, Lord. I know you're in me. You're, you're right here. Uh, and it's, it's just, a, I think it's a more biblical way to think. Rather than asking him for his presence, since you already have it, thank him for it. Start right there. Let me give you one example. We got one guy, if you remember Joe Arduni, you're going to remember this. Do you remember transistor radios? Now these guys are like, what in the world is that? 
just go to Spotify. <laughs> Transistor radios, there were these boxes that you plug in and you would turn them on. And there were two dials. You turn it on and then you'd hear <laughs> static. And then what you do is you, you started to turn the other dial. <laughs> oh, and, uh, and the NASDAQ today it rose 3.9%. Welcome to my baking show. What you need to do now is get a half a cup of flour. Well, the Braves upset the so-and-so. Okay, you with me? Now, that's what an old radio used to do. So how about if we turn it on and we go, Wow, the radio waves just showed up. Why are you laughing? The radio waves just showed up. Did the radio waves just show up? No. Where were they? This isn't a hard question. They, they, were in, they were there. They were in the room. They didn't ask for the radio waves to come because all they had to do was what? Turn on and tune in. So when, when we get together, when you get together, what you want to do is turn on and tune in. Because God was here before you arrived this morning. His presence is going to be here after you leave, right? So we want to tune in on a given day, a given time to what he's doing, what he's saying, what he wants to speak to us. But we can skip that whole step of trying to get him to show up from Des Moines. Okay. I'm not trying to be a wise guy. I'm just sharing a little bit. Okay, thank you. Thank you. All right. And we're almost done here. So union life. I've referred to it. Christ in me, I'm in him. Do you know that in Ephesians 1 and half of chapter 2, 20 times Paul uses the phrase in Christ or in him or with him. He's trying to get the Ephesian believers to understand that they have been placed, when they, when they repented and believed, they were placed in Christ. So he is now their new address. Where do you live? My spiritual address is in Christ. That's where I live. And Colossians 3, it should be, it should be 27, not 2. Colossians, I'm sorry, Colossians 1, 27. Christ in you. So, so I'm in him and he's in me, both, yes, at the same time. 24-7, this is wonderful. This is great news. If I had a, if I had a fish tank here, 10-gallon aquarium, and I had a sponge, and I took the sponge and I put it down in there, and I asked you a question, is the sponge in the water, you would say, okay, this is not hard. Is <laughs> Can I make it any more clear? Is the sponge in the water? Yes. All right. Is the water in the sponge? That's right. If there was a fireplace right here, roaring fire, and I took a poker and I stuck it in and left it in for five minutes and it started glowing red hot, I would ask you, is the poker in the fire? And you would say? Yes. And, I, and then I would say, is the fire in the poker? Oh, you're not so strong on that one. If you don't think it is, I'll pull it out and slap it on your leg, and we'll find out if it fires in the poker or not. So Christ is in me, and I'm in him, yes, both together at the same time. And now I live in that, that union life, we call it, right? Um, there was only one life that was ever lived pleasing to the Father. That was Jesus. That life now dwells in me, and I am called to abide. Abide. Have you ever walked by a tree and heard it grunting? Yeah, me neither. <laughs> you ever walked by a branch sticking out from a tree and heard, hmm, 
No. Why? Because it's just abiding. And we are grafted into Christ and we abide in him. And just like the sap comes up through the trunk and goes out into the branch and produces what? Fruit. So as we abide in him 24-7, I'm in him, he's in me. Maybe I don't always feel it, but it's true. As his life flows up in me and comes out, there will be fruit. No striving, no straining, no grunting, just abiding. And let me close with this. I could say more, but let me just close with this. As you look at the book of John, there is a big, um, there's a big shift. There's a big shift. So from, for the first 13 chapters in the book of John, Jesus said what to his disciples? You, you'll get this. Jesus was going, going 30, 30, uh, three years in his ministry, and he was looking, finding the disciples, and he pointed at one, and what did he say to him? Hey, you, follow me. And they did. Literally, physically, they physically followed him, leaving the nets, leaving the tax collector's booth. They followed him, right? But they also were following him spiritually. So it was both. It was both. Follow me, which is great. But in John 14, 15, 16, 17, there is this massive theological shift that takes place where never again will you find Jesus saying, follow me. What did he say? Instead, the shift was abide in me. No more, Jesus is out there and I'm trying to chase him. I'm trying to follow him. Let's see, what did he do? I'll read the Gospels. Jesus did this and this. Oh, I'm going to try on Monday real tomorrow to do that. Oh, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to be like Jesus. <laughs> Grunting, no. Everything shifts. John 14, 15, 16, 17. Abide in me. There's rest. There's peace. There's life. There's joy. Everything of Jesus in me is now mine. We have all things necessary for life and godliness. So, those are just a few, a few thoughts. I don't even know where I'm in my notes, but it's okay. That's just a few thoughts on what to be aware of as you're nurturing a move of God, as you're desiring a greater move of God. Um, you you want to stay on course within the loving boundaries that you feel God's given you as a body. You don't want to go too far to the left or the right, or you're going to end up in, well, where you don't want to be. Okay, you'll be unbiblical, extra biblical, whatever. Stay biblical, stay open, stay discerning, grounded in God's word, and just, just be aware, just have your radar on for stuff that when you hear it doesn't quite sound right. And then figure it out, talk to Nick, whoever, but, but just to stay open because are we living in the last days? A lot of opinions on that. We know we're closer than we were yesterday. And when you look at Matthew 24, there's a whole lot of stuff mentioned in there that if you just look around, it's like happening. So I don't know. I don't know when Jesus is returning. All I know is before he comes, there's going to be all kinds of deception and all kinds of false teaching. And miracles and signs and wonders will be the tip of the spear on that stuff. So just be discerning and wise, okay? All right, let me pray. Lord, thank you for, thank you for your word. Thank you that this place is open and hungry, Lord, for you to move, for you to lead, to guide. Um, thank you, Lord, for those times that you manifest your presence. Well, that's powerful and awesome and amazing. And thank you, Lord, for the, all the rest of the time where we abide in you, 
We know you're in us. We don't want to strive. We don't want to grunt our way through the Christian life. We want to be led by green pastures and still waters as you guide and direct and lead us. Great shepherd of the flock. So we pray for Nick, all the leaders here, for everybody, Lord. Have your way. It's so clear that they want they want you to have your way among them, whatever that means and whatever that looks like. And we know they want to go out and create holy fires for your glory. And I thank you, Lord, for the strong emphasis here on you receiving the glory, you taking all the glory for what's done in this place and through these people. We give you thanks and praise, Lord, in your name. Amen. Man, so appreciate. Honestly, like, um, I think there's always, and, and, you know, Lincoln can attest, at varying times in my life, I call him probably more than others when we need wisdom and guidance, but um, I, really, I really am a firm believer that, like, whenever the Lord's doing something, there's always people who the Lord, not even necessarily, like, involved in this body, who, who can be the people who you can go to and can get wise counsel and wisdom. And like, I, I don't even think, you know, he, he's not gonna really attest to this, probably to the degree that, uh, you know, gives credit. But like, w- what happened with, with Trinity back in the day, I mean, it, it, was, pretty, it was pretty wild. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't mean like manifestation wild, I mean, but like, the Lord was moving. I mean, it was, it was an amazing move of the Lord. And, and the irony is, is it was birthed out of a lot of the things that, you know, they were hungry for some of these things, you know, and to see the Lord move in certain ways. And so for us to have people who we can go to, it, it would not be wise of us to not pull on people who have seen it <laughs> firsthand and seen all the things that the Lord can do and also all the things that can come with it and not go, hey, can we pick your brain <laughs> on how this played out. I mean, for crying out loud, his dad walked with Tozer. Am I wrong? Like, these are are things that, it's not to exalt man, but it's to to recognize their spiritual fathers in the faith that have seen the things that we're asking for and praying for and seeing happen. And, you know, we're going to lean on wisdom and guidance of just, people who've walked through it and seen it and, and how we can best steward what the Lord is doing. And man, I just, I'm encouraged because I feel like whether it's Friday night, Sundays, Saturdays, whenever, like the Lord's just moving. He's moving and he's getting the glory and people are coming into a knowledge of what it means to abide in the Lord. And, and he's moving in power and people aren't settling for a cheap gospel, you know, and, and they're coming to full conviction and surrender. And so I just ask, uh, Lord, would we, would we lean on the wisdom, not just here today, but just others who've seen it walk through it? Uh, would we not be so prideful that we wouldn't ask for wisdom on how to do it well? You know, not just, I mean, from the Lord, obviously, but from those who are spirit-filled and full of the Lord. They saw a mighty move of the Lord. They really did. Saw a lot of things. So, Father, I just thank you. We thank you uh, for the Murdochs. We thank you for their time today. We just bless and honor them. 
We thank you for the influence that his dad had on him. We thank you for the influence that people like Tozer and Paris Reedhead and different people had on, on Elmer and the, the people who came before them. Lord, we just thank you that you're a God who, who doesn't just settle for the experiences of what one generation saw, but we step on the shoulders of them, Lord. We step on their shoulders and we ask you to not only just do a work that they've seen, but continue a work and beyond so the gospel can be spread. So we honor the Murdochs today, Lord. We thank you for all that you've done in them through their marriage, through their ministry. Father, I'm asking today in a holy way, would we step on their shoulders? Would we step on the shoulders of those who've gone before us, who have seen a work of the Lord, We just love you, Jesus. We ask for just a holy fear of the Lord over this place. Yeah. God is good, amen? He's so good.